What is up, B.A. family, and welcome to another episode and another week of the Breathe and Air podcast where everyday action meets extraordinary mindset. Today's guest is coming to us from Dallas, Texas, the great state of Texas, might I add, Mr. Doctor, should I say, Matt Pennell. He is a chiropractor and practices sports medicine at Element Health and Wellness. He is also a podcast host as well of the first five. He has spent time with Lindenwood University, my alma mater, surprisingly small world there, the St. Louis Blues, and also Wash U in his time out in St. Louis, and now helps athletes and people of all different backgrounds with their physical ailments through the practice of chiropractic medicine. In today's episode, we take a dive into how Matt has built his practice throughout this period, how functional movement and mobility is so important to our health, but also how to build a business in today's society with social media, how to balance these things, and where we get our motivation from, how we find purpose and passion within our life and within our daily work and what we do, and how we find joy within the daily grind. Matt loves golf and we talk a lot about this as well and how he's incorporated that in his practice because it is one of his passions as well. So I think y'all are going to really enjoy this episode. We took a lot of different angles and looks at business and chiropractic and functional mobility as a whole. So get your notepads out and get ready for a great episode from Dr. Matt Pennell out of Element Health and Wellness in Dallas, Texas. You can find him on Instagram at Dr. Pennell, P-E-N-N-E-L-L-5 on Instagram. He also has TikTok and obviously his podcast as well. First five is available on all of your platforms. If y'all haven't already checked us out on Instagram, hop over and check us out at Breathing Air Podcast. That's breathing without the G, Breathing Air Podcast where we keep you up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast and then just tips, tools, tricks on things that have been helping me in my daily life, whether it's mentality, the food that we eat, motivation, meditation, recovery, business, finances, all of these things that are really detrimental to success in my opinion and kind of the way that I've incorporated and the things that I've learned along the way and the things that I've learned from other great people such as Matt as well. So go check us out. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, hit that subscribe button and let me or Dr. Matt know what you thought about the episode. We always want to hear your feedback. We always want to know what you guys think, and I hope that you get value out of today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by our incredible sponsors over at Garden Fresh Media. They are a media company for social marketing, design, branding, photography, video, content, web design, you name it, whatever you need. 
to put your dream to the next level through content creation. They have it. Look no further than Garden Fresh Media. To take the next step in business, media is not just an option. It is a requirement. So go check them out over at GardenFreshMedia.com. That's GardenFreshMedia.com. No media, no growth. And if you want $50 off your first logo design, you can use promo code Breathe 50 for $50 off your first logo design. That is Breathe 50. And now I am pleased to introduce to you, coming all the way from Dallas, Tejas, Dr. Matt Pennell. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. So we actually got connected through a mutual friend and found out that you were actually in St. Louis at Lindenwood when I was there, which is crazy because I'm sure one way or another our paths crossed before we reconnected years later. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, I, I think so. We had to have, you know, when, uh, so back in St. Louis, I was, I was part of a group in performance chiropractic. We, we did a lot of sports medicine treatment. We were at Lindenwood. You guys have so many athletes. It's unreal. So I know we had a lot of football guys pass through the training room at some point in time. I'm assuming you were in there based on dates of when you were playing and what was going on. We, we had to have crossed paths, but it's funny that like that doesn't totally stick out on either end. Huh? Yeah, it's, it is crazy. It's a small world when you think of that, think of it that way. And then I also spent my time in the DFW area growing up. So it's just crazy how, you know, you can cross paths like that. And then we got reconnected one way or another. It's, it's a small world, small world. No doubt. No doubt. And I think that's probably what, obviously the, uh, the mutual connection brought us together for sure. And, and, you know, good people bring others together. Uh, but yeah, I mean, having the St. Louis connection, the Lindenwood, all that stuff is too good to, uh, to not sit down and have a little combo. Right. Absolutely. So have you, where did you grow up? Like where have you spent most of your time? Yeah. So I'm from Illinois, uh, from Jacksonville, Illinois, and, uh, it's a small town outside of Springfield and then went to St. Louis for chiropractic school. So I spent probably uh, like nine years there going through school. And then also, uh, as I mentioned, I was an independent contractor at Performance Chiropractic and we treated the St. Louis Blues. And as a group, they treated the Rams. That was a little before my time coming in, before they left us. And then uh, Lindenwood, some of those guys. And so it was it was a great group, great people. But uh, my wife working in Dallas is then what brought us down here. Yeah, absolutely. So what Tell me a little bit about what made you get into chiropractic in the first place. Yeah, so it was, uh, I think maybe my freshman or sophomore year of, of undergrad, I was working for a moving company in my hometown. And, you know, we had to travel all over the place and, and work some really long days. I think my longest work week calculated there was like over 70 hours, which was crazy for manual labor. And uh, it was good money though. Uh, but anyway, at the end of the summer, it was may, I maybe had like a week or two left and I lifted, did the classic lift twist turn with the box and felt a pop in my lower back and you know pretty immediately felt some strong low back pain that just wouldn't let up. And I eventually had the tingling going down my left leg to my toes. And so I went to see a chiropractor, went to see a physical therapist. And so between the, you know, the adjustments and soft tissue and then rehab exercises, like, man, this is pretty cool, you know, and, and I always wanted to work in sports and, and wanted to grow a business. 
in my head at the time, I'm like, the way that you make money is owning your own business, right? Or becoming a high level exec. So I'm like, this could be cool. Do sports, grow a business, help people and just and be involved. So that that was really the draw. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I feel like sometimes people don't understand the concepts of how it can help them physically. Yeah. And me being an athlete, having severe damage to my body on multiple yeah, occasions, yeah. And still like to beat myself up in the gym. I mean, I still go to the chiropractor. It's one of those things that I can feel physically when I feel like I'm out of line, especially for anyone that's weight loading their back or pulling heavy. Like there are going to be times after you're doing that, that, you know, you're out of, out of line. Someone that's sitting at a desk all day, bending over. How, how have you seen people's opinion on chiropractic in general and, and throughout the years, how have you seen that change and how has it changed some of the lives of the people that you work with? So I think really, uh, you know, when it comes to chiropractic care, it's, it's interesting because a lot of it is based on your knowledge of, of that type of care, essentially. And, you know, people that grew up with chiropractic care are very receptive and very understanding. And then I think that those that come across chiropractic care, like midlife in their twenties, thirties are still kind of in that in between, like they're willing to be educated and learn, even though they may be a little bit skeptical. And then as we age, I think a lot of times then that population, if they've never had chiropractic care is a little bit more difficult to, to fully grasp what we're, you know, what we're about. But, uh, I think it's fun. You know, it's, it takes a lot of education and you see tons of, I'm sure you've seen a ton of different videos that people are putting out crack videos, you know, back adjustments, neck adjustments, and then some goofy chiros are jumping up and singing songs. And I mean, it's like whatever you can do, I guess, to get the views. But, uh, so it's been an interesting couple of years here as that game has changed a little bit in social media terms. Yeah. So that's, that's something I wanted to talk about as far as social media goes. I know you're extremely active, have a great social media page, and you've even gone into the audio version as well, you know, with podcasting. But tell me a little bit about the social media side of things and when you decided, hey, this is something that has a lot of return in being able to put myself out there on social media to grow business. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I'd say when I first started, in 2015, I would post a little bit about chiropractic and about lifestyle. I didn't really have a, so our group were multiple independent contractors altogether. So I, I wanted to still grow my portion of my business and social media. So I created you know, this Dr. Pennell five page, which was really just a spinoff of my earlier page. And I started posting a little bit of chiropractic, but I think early on, at least I was self-conscious towards what information I was going to post. Like how does anybody know that my information is legit? Like, what do I even know to share? And I think you're always comparing yourself with your classmates or others within your field. And so it's, it's tough and it's still tough, but as time went on, I would post a little bit more and actually last. So it would have been fall of 2018. So this was still when TikTok was like kind of not really talked about too much in the States. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try to just post an adjustment video. Cause I wasn't really into like, posting the cracks on Instagram yet. And uh, so I put it on there and within like five minutes, it had like 10,000 views. And I was like, all right, there's something to this because Instagram, I didn't think I had ever had 10,000 views on a, on a, you know, video like that. And so anyway, as it went on, some of these posts were getting like 
one of them had 30 million views and it boosted my account up to like 180,000 followers. So I was like, all right. But then as the game started changing again, then it was, people were getting a lot more creative. It wasn't just crack videos. It wasn't just adjustments. It was now people are singing and dancing to stretches. And I'm like, dude, that's just never going to be me. So I was like, all right, well, I'll do what I can on that side. But through that process, I also would start to post some educational things on Instagram. And we have it linked through my page that when you go in, you can actually click and schedule an appointment. And we started to see the correlation between posts and educational posts and just interaction and people physically scheduling appointments or submitting info to be called and scheduled. And so when you physically see there's ROI, like that's a great way to tell, Hey, this, this shit is working, right? Like we're getting people interested in what we do. That's when you have to know mentally, like I have to put more focus here and not so much on the stuff that is not necessarily giving me, you know, more patients or more finances. I may want to help five different things, but you know, you, you got to be able to help yourself first. So that was, that was really as the process evolved. Yeah. For someone who doesn't know anything about Cairo or you've never had an adjustment, what are some of the biggest benefits from going to a chiropractor? I would say it depends on the chiropractic approach because you line up 10 chiropractors and they all will all do something different, even though we may have a, a similar mindset. So some are, you know, some places you go in and it's a cheaper price and you just get cracked, if you will, and move on than other places you know, like us, for instance, we do soft tissue adjustments, but we also do some rehab therapies base level. Then you'll go to some that do primarily rehab only. So I think that really depends on, uh, on the approach and what's going on and things like that. But, um, you know, so from the outside, I think you have to understand what you're kind of looking for. And that's why you see people jump around a lot from Cairo to Cairo trying to find the best fit too. Yeah. For someone who is like, okay, well, how do I find the best fit? What's something that you would look, tell people to look for within finding a chiropractor? I would say maybe even who has some of your similar interests. Mm. Uh, you know, something that I'm diving into a little bit more for myself personally is I really enjoy playing golf. Like I think you, if you see my page, like you see me post about different stuff, like regarding golf, I love the growth process. I honestly feel like it's a lot similar to business, right? Like you have good days, bad days on the course. There are little things that will change the game, your swing, all that stuff. And so, you know, creating your passion then and projecting that I'm starting to post more golf stuff because I just enjoy it. Right. And I think then you start to attract the audience that enjoys that also. And there's some similarities. So uh, for instance, if people are runners, you'll a lot of times get connected in with the Cairo that's at the running event, right? Or go to their Google reviews. Honestly, I still think you, you can't have hundreds of Google reviews that are all just fake, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, some groups can put some together, but you can tell if these reviews are heartfelt or not. I think you look at location, who's close to you, um, then, you know, who has good Google reviews? Are they sports minded if that's what you're into? And then you know, are they a network with your insurance or are they, do they fit your model for cash? Like there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And then I'd say, lastly, you know, you check your social media and their website and you just kind of see if their personality matches what, what you think you'd like to, to be involved with. Yeah. I think you said something interesting there as far as, you know, you starting to post golf, like that's something that you love kind of 
finding your core audience. And this is something that I've struggled with back and forth, especially with the podcast, growing social media accounts and, you know, building a business in general is the concept of niching down, like Mm -hmm. to something very small versus, you know, finding very specific individuals who really love what you do, specifically what you do as far as golf and sports med and Cairo and, or a more broad approach. What, what have you seen when, when you're really focused on a small audience and kind of doing what you flow towards versus like that larger approach? So for the longest time, social media wise, I've just taken a broad approach and just, you know, desk workers and things like that. And I, I do think you'll catch a lot of audience, but even when we used to do a networking group back in the day, you know, the, the cute answer for chiropractic was, Oh, who do you want us to, who do you want to treat? It's like, Oh, we treat everybody or oh, we treat everyone with a spine. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But as soon as you start saying, Oh, I treat headaches, people go, Oh shit, I had a headache last week. Or, Oh, my mom complains of headaches all the time. You know, you give people a reason or something to think about that makes it more focused. Um, I was having an interesting conversation the other day in regards to like Apple watch versus Garmin. And we were talking about just the differences. And I, and we said that, you know, for running Garmin is unmatched or at least in, in what I know about it. Right. And it, it's a totally different approach. Cause to me, Apple watch a, a, is really geared towards everybody, right? It does a little of everything, you know, workout, all that stuff. But if you really get into like specifics, Garmin makes a golf specific watch. They make like a, a running watch, you know, all these different ones well, you got to create your raving fans within your group. So like if I'm a golfer, am I going to pick the the more generalized Apple watch that kind of does a decent job? Or am I going for the golf Garmin that is badass? Like I'll pick that all day, every day. Right. And I think that's the same thing for a lot of us is like, what do we tie to there? There may be, you know, a look at all the podcasts, right? Like there are a million podcasts and a lot of business podcasts, but the sooner, you know, as soon as you find like, Oh, it's chiropractic in the first five years and whatever, and it's specific, specific, specific. Then I think you just continue to find your target audience, and that unfortunately starts very small at first, and then grows. So it, it's a patience game too, which is really tough. Right. It. I think it makes your vision a little bit clearer for anything that you're trying to grow. Whenever you know what your audience is, because you're not going to waste your time. We we spoke about this pre-show as far as you know, specific place where podcasters are. If you're trying to grow a show, same thing with the business. You don't want to be going talking to the soccer players when you're trying to train basketball players. It's as as that. And that's why that broad net, sometimes it seems like you're grabbing all these people, but in reality, it may take a little bit longer to grow, but you're going to have those, you know, Tim Ferriss talks about it, having a thousand real fans versus, you know, and these guys who have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, but they, you know, can monetize their products and monetize what they're doing way better than someone with a million because they are so specific to the needs of, of the people that they have following them. So I think that's, that's a good point. Um, you spoke about five and kind of the first five years out of practice for you specifically. Tell me about that podcast idea and really just where it came from and the motivation for it. Yeah. So originally, so I've been through a couple different podcast names. Originally in 2018, I started 
the Entrepreneur's Edge podcast. And it was it was never designed to be a big podcast and it never really became a big podcast. It was it was decent size for a, a smaller you know, community. And, and I was really interested in learning about other small businesses and these business owners about how they grew because uh, what I started understanding was, you know, I, off air, we, we mentioned first form and 80 for sale. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But you know, one of the things that I, I got from listening to some of his podcasts was that we're all similar when starting a business, regardless of whether it's chiropractic or supplements or whatever. So I wanted to hear like, uh, Fit Flavors is a big business in in St. Louis. I was like, hi, Jillian, how did you start your business? What did you do? What struggles did you approach? Because everything you see on social media, or not everything, but a lot of it looks glamorous. And a lot of those lives really aren't that glamorous on the back end. There's a lot of shit that it took to get to that point. So I wanted to hear about that and connect. And you know, that was something I think that was really special early on was just making those connections because they ended up you know, going a long way. So then that became the first five as we started getting further along. And uh, I just felt like eventually it was less about getting to know local business owners, especially in a Dallas community where things were much bigger and less people owned individual businesses that I met Mm -hmm. and, uh, and more about helping young chiropractors grow and figure out their first five years. So I think we make decisions and then instead of just cutting them off, they kind of evolve over time. Yeah. In today's day and age, you've kind of grown and grown your clientele, uh, grown a practice, these kind of things in this age of digital marketing, social media. And, you know, you speak specifically on the first five years to anyone really, whether they're coming out uh, and wanting to do Cairo or anything in general, what, what's kind of a general tip that you could give someone for those first five years out into their career? I mean, the the first one that comes to mind is is be patient, and it it's tough because, and I say that in a way of like be aggressive, right. like grow, you know, work on the things that it takes to grow a business, and do all the little things. But you have to, but good things take time, unfortunately, and and that's what turns people off too. You know, a lot of people that want money fast, they'll turn from one shiny object to the next either hoping it turns into money or cutting corners as it does make money, but those are short lived businesses. And so if you really want to grow long-term, get with good mentors that do it that way also, and then work on that process, you know, and, and sending letters after you get a new patient to, to them, just thanking them for trusting your business, you know, like little things or thanking somebody for a referral that stuff may not turn into overnight business, but people make mental notes of these things and are more willing to do business with people that they like and trust and send others that they trust family members, friends to those people. So I think even doing a second round down here in Dallas, we're seeing 2021 come together based on a lot of the shit that we did early in 2019 and 20 uh, just start to multiply over time. And so it gets rewarding when you see little glimpses of that happening. Yeah, that's very, very important. Uh, compound interest is virtually what you're saying. You know, I, one of the things that my coach told me back in college was, you know, people will want to do things for people they like. They'll want to do business with people they like. I see that now in sales. I, I know you do as well in building a business. People like you and they trust you. They're going to want to do business with you. And even small things, like you said, writing handwritten letters. I mean, 
that is one of the biggest things that no one does anymore. But when you do it, they remember. They do. They do. And that's why I think it is so memorable because few people do it. You know, I had an intern come in or, or she was just shadowing. Actually, she's a Parker student down here. And she wrote me a thank you for, you know, letting her come in. And I messaged her right away. I was like, keep this up because this is exactly the stuff that will make shit happen for you down the road and that people will appreciate. And I don't know if she got that from me or if it was just something that she already did or from another mentor. I, I don't know. But I recognize that. And, you know, the thing about it, too, is like when you see people doing a good job, whether it's another chiropractor you know, it's, it's somebody in your own world and space, whether it's a friend or cousin or who knows, message those people and just tell them, Hey man, keep it up. I like what you're doing. You know, I, I think for people like you and I, for people that listen to this podcast that are growing a business or just self-development, you get turned off a lot by people that want to make wisecracks and jokes. And some of it's out of love. Some of it is, is the crabs in a bucket effect. And you know, these people that they want to pull you back down because they don't want to see you, you build and grow and climb because it puts you in a league of your own. Um, And so encourage those that you do feel like are doing a good job. If you don't feel like they are, don't say anything, but you know, it's, it's nice to know that you're on the right track. At least I've, really appreciated that. And I always want to pass that along to others too, because we're quick to, to throw the negatives, but we got to throw the positives too. That mm-hmm. helps people grow a lot. No, I agree. I agree. It always makes my day whenever someone reaches out and says, Hey, like this post or this podcast or like, thanks for do-. those little things. We as high achievers, ambitious people, I know me specifically, you know, we think about all the things that we're doing wrong. And sometimes we focus on our shortcomings too much to where we don't realize that we're making a big impact. And those little reminders, they definitely are, you know, kick in the butt, say like, hey, you're on the right track, keep going. So I try and actively do that. And this just came to mind. So I'm going to roll with it. I told you, but (laughs) I'm ready. Idea of self-love, right? And I think the biggest thing, it's like, oh, self-love, self-care, all this that we hear a lot now. I think the biggest thing with self-love for me was when I realized that self-love for me is when I am focused on others, when I'm helping others, when I'm loving others, when I'm giving to others. That is when I love myself the most because I know that I am, you know, helping someone else's life grow and that gives me value. That makes me feel like I'm, you know, helping my mission and doing what I think I was put on this earth to do. So thinking of more or less like what can I do for me to help me grow? And of course we need to do these things to help ourselves and be selfish with our time, but Really? Well, and I think just to add to what you're saying in regards to like the self-love or whatever, and, and Andy talks a little bit about this too, and I've found it even in myself, you know, we all have different things that make us feel good or, or make us feel happy, right? And for some, that's working, like just working makes them happy. Like they just, and I'm not totally sold on that. Like I like to have some fun or be outside or do different things. I don't like to totally be glued into work, but I do get it. Uh, but, you know, we all have so much potential and so few of us actually push ourselves to that limit. And I mean, I'm in the same boat. Like there are plenty of days where even though I may be doing more than others, I'm still not pushing my own limit even. And 
But those days where I'll make a power list and I'll knock shit off and I'll move through it and I'll push beyond what I probably was going to do, it makes me feel good. And like reaching that potential and pushing yourself to it, I think that's self-love also. We all have so much to give and offer, whether it's like helping yourself to help others, whether it's putting it out there to other people that like you're almost doing yourself an injustice when you're not at least pushing yourself more than, than that base level and that you just, Hey, I'm tired, you know, like, but Hey, we got to grind this out. Cause I want to feel good at the end of this. Yeah. You, you always sleep better after a long day, a hard day of work, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, it just, there's something different about knocking stuff off a list and, and, you know, have you ever read, uh, uh, Cordon's book, uh, the 10 X rule? Have you read that one? Yeah. It's a great book, right? I think most of, of the people within our fields generally have. Uh, but, you know, Grant just talked a lot about like doing, it, it takes 10 times more effort than you would think to accomplish the one task that you would like to do. If, if, it, if you want to make a million dollars, you know, trying to grab a million dollars, 10 times more effort. And I thought that was really interesting because that is what I've seen even to grow business. Like if, if I wanted to contact two attorneys a day to reach more personal injury cases, like I actually need to do 10 times that if I really want to get the ROI and it's wild when you start actually then calling and, and making that type of, of, uh, of, of progress and headway, like how quickly that ROI comes back. So it's wild how that stuff all works out. Yeah. I love, I love that book. It is a great book for anyone that hasn't checked it out in the everyday action. I mean, that's in our, that's breathing air's mantra. And that is what really, I think the underlying source of that is like action, action, action. If you want to make a million shoot for 10, like, yeah, for sure. For sure. Cause I, it just, it never works out quite the way that you think it will. And and there's a lot of, there are always obstacles. There's always changes and you got to pivot and move. And I think that's why so much effort is also you know, goes into to that type of process of, of building some, some, you know, long-term business. Yeah. You've mentioned, you know, Cardone, Frisilla, and I saw a post that you had on Instagram, you know, regarding Frisilla and First Form going back and seeing that and kind of his podcast and what he meant to you almost as a mentor from afar. And you've mentioned mentors as well. How, how useful can a mentor be, you know, not only as a personal relationship, from me to you, but also as, you know, soaking in knowledge from these people where it's so much more accessible now than it ever has been. Yeah. I think it's crucial, whether it's a book or uh, a podcast, you know, Andy was one that I, so when I moved to St. Louis in 2011, uh, supplement superstores were around and there were a few products from first form there, but it was it was a a supplement store. It was similar to GNC or any of those, but I liked when I was in there, didn't feel like you were necessarily getting sold the same way because to my knowledge at the time, they really weren't working off a straight commission. So I thought that was cool. First of all, then in like 2015, 16, when I got into business, I, Andy's podcast was getting bigger and I was listening to a lot of what he was talking about with, with growth and just how you just, Oh, you got to man up. You can't be a bitch, you know, about like getting stuff done. And, and I don't mean that as like a male, female or any of that. I mean, you just personally have to know that there's a lot of grit and grind that it takes to get through. And you're either going to weather the storm or you're not. And you know that when you're out on your own, it's sink or swim. So 
so that was a, a nice, like distant mentor, as you say, as you go. But now as you, you get further into it, what's really cool, is you'll start reading books and, you know, you make a post about it. Well, how cool is it that you can interact with the author on social media now? Like that's a whole different level of connection. It's cool, man. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's one of those things that can, has been abused and will be abused and can be abused like any good thing, but it is such a tool. Like there is no reason why. And I think the pandemic really pushed this forward, but there's no reason why, you know, you can't be doing something active online to, you know, grow your business, actually make money, uh, connect with the right group of people. Like that's so important building a network. Right. And I, it really changed for me when I stopped, when I started hitting the unfollow button a million times and really, really tightened down the kind of things that I was seeing online, the kind of people I was following, the kind of advice I was getting from people within that circle. No, I agree. I mean, I've done a lot of that recently myself, uh, especially as my pages change more to business. I've gotten, you know, people that I just don't connect the same with anymore. I felt like I had to follow because it was just like a mutual connection kind of thing. And, um, you know, I also try to remain humble in the fact that like, I'm just like everybody else. Also, I'm not trying to say I'm above other people by unfollowing them. It's just, it doesn't serve my day to day anymore to follow around whatever silly stuff is being posted. Like I want to see what other people are doing to grind. I want to see motivational stuff and, and create that own, you know, my own community of those things. So I don't think, you know, going through the, uh, the unfollows and, and all of that is, is, you know, for people that need to do it or want to do it, it's not out of hate or, or, or anything bad. It's just, it's, you know, we got to take care of ourselves first. And for those of us that like to take care of others or like to help out, I think a lot of times we are way too concerned about what others think or what they are going to get out of us helping them. And like at the end of the day, it's just, you got to take care of yourself first. And I, I, I mean that in a, in the most loving, like selfish way way that you can. If you can't help yourself, you're not happy with yourself. It's difficult to project that to others too. I know that you train and, you know, take care of yourself, your active lifestyle, but you dove into Priscilla's 75 hard challenge. Yeah. Physical. All I want to hear about it. Tell me, tell me all about it. So, I mean, it was tough. First of all, like, um, I had tried to do it in 2019 and got like five days in around Easter and quit. And then it was tough to get started, but I was just trying to do it on my own. And at that time I was going to attempt to use posting online as like a, a, Hey, keep me motivated kind of thing. And buddy was like, am I going to have to watch this every day for, <laughs> for 75 days? And I was cracking up. I'm like, yeah, damn. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I just, I had stopped for, it was just tough. Right. So 2020, we got a small group of guys together and one of my buddies was really wanting to drop weight. And so he was posting about it, using it motivation. That was cool. I just wanted to run silent. I wanted it to be for me. I didn't really need everybody to know about it. I posted something at the end, but didn't really give too much into it. It was hard, man. Uh, I think the best lesson learned out of it was reading 10 pages a day. I think that stuck with me a lot and 
progress my reading habits and learning habits and everything. And I still need to be better. There are some days where I'll hit it, some days where I'm just not motivated. So I thought 75 hard did a lot for mental focus and just mental toughness for sure. Yeah. Was there any habits that you had going in after that have stuck with you? You mentioned, you know, the 10 pages, but what was like one of the biggest takeaways? Well, I think at first not drinking was difficult and not that I'm a heavy drinker. I think we all probably went through our college days and all of that, but, uh, anymore, like I enjoy drinking socially, but I don't really sit at home and drink or any of that. Uh, maybe a, a glass of bourbon here and there, but nothing, nothing really too much. So I guess what was really tough was being in social situations and there weren't as many because it was during the pandemic, but there were still little, you know, small get togethers and stuff and not being able to have a beer on the golf course with the buddies, right? Like it was just what I was used to. It wasn't even, I don't know. Yeah. I guess you just, that's kind of goes with socializing. Right. And then what I started realizing was like, I don't need to have a drink to still feel fulfilled being out there. Like I can roll, they can drink. It doesn't bother me. So if it wasn't for like 4th of July, right. As we were finishing up and family and friends and us just being all excited, like I could have continued to roll with it at that point, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be definitely the, like you said, social setting of that for, for me. Yeah. Well, I fell apart. I mean, 4th of July came and the red, white, and blue. I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a great drinking holiday. I will say. No, it is. Um, we'll Budweiser or something. That's right. Golly. Well, what growing like as you're growing, as you're, you know, you know, you're searching for knowledge and, and you're building your practice and you're pushing your body physically, what's one time that you failed and and what's one of the lessons that you learned from that? Uh, specifically to like workouts or diet or all of it? Anything. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. I mean, I, I think I feel more on time management than I do anything else. Um, because I want to do so many things in a day, like in order to do 75 hard, I had to get up like 5am, read 10 pages, then get a workout in, then go to work, treat patients, do all those things. And you know, if you're, if you're not good about also getting to bed on time, then it totally screws a lot of things up. You know, you talk about we, we discussed like drinking a little bit. Well, that leads to a lot of like shitty eating habits too. So I think like understanding what I've got going on the next day and trying to prep up for those couple days versus like just being in the moment of like, Oh, I want to have fun. I'll deal with, you know, the aftermath later. <laughs> it's like, and I mean, plenty of times I think I fail a lot where I'm running short on time and it's like, I'll grab like a McDonald's breakfast, right? Because it's quick and cheap versus oh, I want to sit down and, and make a nice breakfast and enjoy it and go through all that stuff. Um, you know, my mom always gives me a bunch of crap. She's like, dude, like you need to like slow down a bit. And I'm like, I know it's tough, but I also don't know how else you get a lot of these things done. And the way that my mind works, it's tough to, like, I don't know if it's, a, I definitely have OCD type tendencies, but even, you know, a little scatterbrained. And I don't know if that's because of some attention issues or is it because there are too many shiny objects of like, I need to do my social media. I need to treat patients. I need to respond to emails and texts and all that. And, you know, I, I don't know the secret sauce to being successful all the time, but I just know that 
you can't beat yourself up too much. A lot of people will mess up once and they're downhill for a month. Right. And that's what you can't let happen. It's like, you mess up a couple of days. It's like, all right, it is what it is. Now I got to get back on my workouts. Got to get into the rest. And I think that's the only way that mentally you can, can figure it out and just keep rolling with success. Yeah, I, I relate to that a lot. I was actually weirdly just thinking about that today, how I get so many things on my mind as far as to get this done, this done, this done. And I'm trying to do them efficiently and quick, quicker than, you know, if I was just to sit down, take a deep breath and focus on one thing. And I find that so many times I shoot myself in the foot because I'm trying to, you know, bang, 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 hit check off the list. And then I neglect a detail in one of the things and I end up having to go back and revisit it instead of just spending the extra five minutes to do it right. I think a hundred percent. I mean, even little things like, and I don't know if you do this or if this is just me being a crazy nut job, but like in the morning, like I'll be trying to get my stuff together to go out the door. And I poured water in my, you know, 50 ounce water bottle. Cause I'm trying to drink my, my, you know, close to a gallon a day. I'm pouring that up with the Brita. Then I'm sticking the Brita under the faucet while that's filling up. I'm grabbing something else from the, you know, from the fridge and then I'm zipping up my backpack. Then I'm going back and turn off the faucet and then I'm tripping over something. And I think that's like, that's the exact like, you know, demonstration of what real life is. You know, when, when you're trying to do 10 different things, like you're fumbling over yourself because there's just so much going on. And I, that's why to me, that comes back to time management and all of those things. Cause it's, it's freaking tough. Does that, do you do anything like that? Oh yeah. All the time. <laughs> I like am probably definitely have some OCD and ADD in myself as well. Yeah. And I think it's a gift and a curse. You know, I, it's one of those things where we have a lot more energy drive, like we're, we're up and about it. But at the same time, if we're not, focused in on something like the shiny shiny object syndrome like you said it's like okay i need yep. to do, i need to do this like it's weird what really helped me with that though um and i don't know you can speak on this if if you've had any tactics that have helped you kind of come back to the present but meditation did a lot for me uh breath work did a lot for me in the aspect of when i'm in kind of catching myself in those moments where I am doing 75 things at once and being like, okay, step back before I leave this room. What do I have? Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been trying to rush out of my car and I've locked my keys in my car or like, well, shit going to be late. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. Man, I I love the meditation idea and I don't do that enough. Um, I did it a little bit here and there. Like, I used to lay with a neck roll at night and it would help with getting rid of some headaches by releasing some neck tension, which is a great tip for people that sit at a desk all day. Mm-hmm. Um, you just take a hand towel, fold it into thirds, roll it up, put it underneath your neck and lay for eight to 10 minutes. And so I would run a meditation during that. And it would put you into almost a trance like before bed. Right. Um, but honestly, the most that I've gotten, there's a lady down here. Her name is, is um, Dr. Lisa Cooney. And, man, it's hard to like pinpoint exactly what she does. She's kind of psychology, but also um, like soft tissue and energy waves and stuff like that. And, and she'll do these like therapy sessions. I've only done a couple of them, but you sit down and she 
like nearly puts you into a trance based on talking to you and, and hands on the head and everything. And it's called like running your bars. So maybe some people listening to this would know, but I tell you what, I come out of those sessions with the most like clarity and understanding because I trust her in regards to, I know that she gets what I'm saying. Cause she's a business owner too. And just family and all that stuff. And I don't always need like advice, but we all need somebody to talk to that we respect right. and sometimes getting that off the chest. Like, so meditation, you know, therapy, whatever, depending on what you're comfortable with can work for sure. Yeah. I think it's important. And that's the whole thing of like coming back to the present moment because we're so often yeah. two steps ahead, three steps ahead, four steps ahead that then we mess something up that then wastes our time a little bit later. And that's the funny thing. I just laugh at myself. I'm like, man, slow down, dude, slow down, be more effective and efficient because you won't be revisiting all these things that you could, if you would have just focused on this. Um, I think that's also what comes down to like finding your passion. We've talked a little bit about going in a, in a direct line and mm-hmm. I, you know, as we mentioned golf earlier, like for me, I can golf and I I don't think about anything else, but it's because I love it and it's fun and it's competitive and it gets the drive going for me that those are the things that I love. Right. And uh, so that's why I think it's important to tie your passion into what you do, because if golf's what I like and I want to treat golfers or involve that in my chiropractic business, all of a sudden that excites my chiropractic business a lot more for me personally. Right. And so I think when you find something that you click with a little bit more, you'll find yourself going down a more direct line and not feel like you want to do a bunch of different things quite as much. Do you agree with that? I agree. And I think what that made me think of is seeing on your Instagram, you know, you had the the putt putt in the office, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then you're doing um, certain stretches for, you know, the recreational golfer. These things, and you, you can call them what you want, visual visual hacks. For me, it's like I know that journaling in the morning, a few things that I need to get done or before bed is good for me. So what I do, I lay out a journal and a, and a pen and sit it on my table and one on my – so I look at it and I literally have to say, no, I'm not doing that even though I know I should. It's easy to put it under you, you know, the nightstand and forget about it you don't ever see it. So you don't ever think about it. Same with you though, in business, it's something you're passionate about. You got golf in the office, you know, you're incorporating it. It lights a different fire under you. So exactly what you're doing doesn't necessarily have to be your passion. It's not like you're going to come out and find some, this is your passion. This is what I'm doing. But I think it is important to give yourself those visual cues and incorporate that in some way or another into what you're doing. I agree. And I think when you find your passion, it creates purpose, right? And then purpose leads to action, in my opinion. Um, When I think about posting information for everyone, chiropractic wise, I can think of a couple things that just come to my head, even though there are a lot of different routes that I could go, right? But the other day, I wanted to go golf specific. So I grabbed a piece of paper. And I'm like, what all things could I relate to golfing within chiropractic? And I just wrote out a whole list. Now this list could easily transfer to desk workers. It could transfer to athletes. Like it doesn't really matter. It it could go across the board, but what excited me was thinking about like, Oh, well I want to talk about water intake. 
mm-hmm. when you're out playing a course and it's hot outside, right? Like all of a sudden you start clicking and I, I'm using golf as an example, but could happen the same for runners or, or any of that stuff too. So I think that then leads to like you getting a mindset of this is how I could figure this problem out, you know, when, when we're more in line. So, but it, sometimes it takes a while to figure out what exactly your passion is too. Yeah, it does. And I think I've, I've heard so many different takes on purpose specifically, right? Like, do we actually really have one singular purpose versus some people saying, no, we don't have a singular purpose. Like there's multiple things that we were meant to do, but then you have the other side of things like you have one purpose and like, you know what that purpose is. I think it's easy to beat yourself up about that, especially early on coming, you know, into yourself, into what you love, into what you're passionate about to say, Oh, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my purpose is. Like, what am I doing here? That can also change, right? Like, you know, your purpose when you start out is maybe to help as many people, but it's equally to make money, right? Like maybe you don't want to go something majorly specific right off the bat. Like maybe you do need to just get out there and try a big pool of things. I use the example, like when I came out of chiropractic school, I wanted to treat football athletes, right? And like, you know, we go to Lindenwood and treat like hockey and golf and, you know, and, and football and all that stuff. And I interned with elite sports uh, in Chesterfield Valley and, and all this stuff. But actually the group that ended up being the most beneficial and I probably got the most long lasting relationships out of was like high school girls soccer. Right. And there was this one group, Lufu soccer, they traveled, they did all this stuff, but these girls were competitive. They fought hard. They won championships and they wanted the best treatment. And in turn, their families wanted the best treatment. And then, you know, parents would come in and their siblings. And so sometimes you just have to get involved and see what clicks. Yeah. I don't think you can beat yourself up about like the one thing that you think is going to happen. It just doesn't always work out that way. Right. There. It, it's so crazy that we think we, we got it all figured out and then yeah. go down and it's like, hey, just kidding. No, you For real. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, even at our office, we do a lot of personal injury and it was something that I, I didn't think I would like a ton. And there are parts of it that I don't care for, but you know, personal injury tends to pay more than our regular adjustments and things. You have to wait longer to get paid. So I think in my like mindset. It's like, all right, I'm getting interest a little bit. And it's just because of the way that the settlements work out and stuff like that. But the nice thing about personal injury is you get paid later on. So you're not expecting these checks to come in, but as they do, it feels almost bonus like. And so I started thinking more and more and I'm like, you know what, I need to do more of this personal injury because over time, that's, what's going to be able to float more of what I want to do day to day. And so my purpose of doing personal injury is not because I love personal injury, but I can help people, especially that need the care. I can provide them good care. And then on top of that, it can help me do more of what I actually love to do. And so I think that's where, you know, your multiple purposes come into. Sure. You kind of mentioned earlier, you know, the folding the towel, putting it behind your neck, nice little hack. I love Mm -hmm. give people practical use things that they can do right away, put these things into action. Um, for you, what, what's something that, you know, someone can do at home that will help their longevity, obviously going in, find a good chiropractor. If you're in Dallas, going to element, seeing, um, <laughs> but 
what's something that people can do at home, you know, whether they are a golfer, whether they're just trying to get rid of some back pain or whatever. Just tips and tricks, like just general tips and tricks. Trick. Yeah. I mean, I think the neck roll is a great one, especially if you have tension headaches, you know, upper back tension. Um, I think just getting, you don't have to spend a lot of money to get good chairs and all that stuff, but general things, like if you sit all day, you should work on transitioning from sit to stand. Like whether you physically go buy a desk that raises up and down, or, you know, you have a bar top in your apartment or house or whatever that you can go and stand at for a little while, but just understanding that being stagnant is not going to help you and you're going to end up getting pain. Right. And so, you know, if you sit at a desk a lot, let's transition, you know, the neck roll, I think just being active, knowing that, Hey, maybe set a timer on your phone or you're going to get up and do a short walk over lunchtime, you know, just utilizing the time that you have to make your body feel good. Uh, and that's, I would say the most base level, you know, tip or trick that I would, I would pass along. What's your training consist of these days? I mean, I know that, you know, you're lifting some weights, doing some boxing, golf, like yeah. you formulate some of your training. So I've really gotten into F45 recently. Um, Originally, it started out that I sponsored a challenge that they did, and I didn't really know much about them outside of that it was like group training, circuit training, those type of things, hit style workouts. And I started liking them a lot because, and I don't know how other gyms are set up. I had just primarily worked out on my own or jumped into random classes here and there. But they do like Monday is like grind it out. It's called red line for the, sometimes it'll change, but that's primarily it where you go station to station and you're working hard, you're getting heart rate high, you're sweating a lot. And then, so that's Monday and Friday are very similar. Tuesday, Thursdays are more like lifting days where you're not necessarily lifting super heavy, but you're going, you know, more time consuming sets, um, all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot less with the high intensity. So when I was doing really well, I was hitting at 45, probably three, four days a week, along with maybe hitting the Peloton. And I think just being on my feet and being active is just part of it. And then, you know, I love to golf and do all that stuff too. Honestly, I have a bigger problem with like forcing myself to sit down and <laughs> stop doing shit for a while. You know, uh, I just, I don't like the lazy feeling. I don't like feeling like I'm not productive in some way. I know that at times we need to all like get some recovery because being in the sympathetic stage all the time is tough. So getting those parasympathetics, your rest and digest going, it helps everything. It physically can help your body, your digestive system and the way you take in nutrients. So uh, it's tough, but uh, I think those things and just doing what you like, man, I don't know about you, but I listen to some people like Tim Grover's another, uh, he's, you know, Michael Jordan's personal trainer was, and uh, Kobe Bryant, a lot of those guys, and he does all of his own programming. And I think that's awesome. That's his time. That's what he likes. I don't like to do that shit. Like I want to just go and somebody tell me what's up. I do it. I grind because I don't want to think about it. I got too much other stuff to think about, you know? And so I think it depends on how you fit in that mindset, but that's what I found is at least beneficial for me when it comes to workouts and things, put, put in somebody else's hands. Yeah, no, I, um, do you think the group aspect of F45, you do you like the group aspect? Do you think that's part of why you enjoy it? I do. And, you know, of course, for me, if you can't tell, you know, by listening already, I like the business aspect. And so early on, the challenge was a link for me. And we got people to come into the office and just come in and try our Normatech boots for free. 
Yeah. You know, they're grinding hard recovery. There's a lot of benefit. And so that like automatically the way that those trainers in that group bought into what I do and sent people my way just bought me even deeper into what they do and in, in building that community. So I think they have a unique group. So it's not always going to be like that, but maybe bouncing around to find some, you know, people that, that mesh well with you. Um, so yeah, I, I do like that aspect for sure. Yeah. What, uh, what's your definition of success? Man, I've heard, I've asked a lot of other people this question too, and it's, it's interesting to hear everybody's thought, but man, I would say just freedom, like freedom to do the things that I want to do. And, and if I want to spend time with family, like, you know, being able to do that, not being, a, uh, you know, so stuck in, like, I have to be in the office or I have to do this. Uh, I want to be able to take some time off if I want. And that comes with time of, of building enough to put another chiropractor in and all those different things. So, and freedom financially, you know, there's a lot that goes into, you know, money is not the devil if used correctly. And not only can it take care of you and your family, but you can help a lot of other people with it too. So just, I, I think freedom to have options is, is really the definition of success to me. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned 10X earlier. What if you had a, a few other or one specific book recommendation? What, what's a few other books that you have really changed the way that you look at the world? I think I get out of, I get something out of everything I read. Um, so, but the couple books recently that have stuck out a lot, I really like Tim Grover's book, Relentless. Okay. Um, yeah, a really good book and just talks about you know, the difference in, in what it takes to be great at something and, and how hard you have to work in your mindset and not, you know, caring so much about fitting in and what other people think, but just knowing what you're set out to do. So I like that one a lot. And he actually just came out with a new book. Maybe you heard Andy's podcast winning. Did you yeah. hear him come and talk on that? It was great. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I actually winning just came in today. I ordered it. And so, uh, I'll start it in a little bit, but so that was good. Um, I really liked, and I'm rereading this book. It's called The Power of Who. It's by Bob Bodine, and he's actually a Texas guy. I didn't know that. So when I was talking about interacting with authors, I posted something, and he's been messaging me back and forth and told me about his new book too. Um, so that's kind of fun. But yeah, you know that one is all about all about understanding that the people you know currently can help you out and are willing to help you out if you're if you are humble enough to ask for it and you know, a lot of us out there would do anything for our friends and family. And sometimes even people we don't even know that would just ask, Hey, what is your thought on this? Hey, would you reach out? And uh, you know, you're putting your reputation on the line, but uh, we all work hard so that that reputation can help others too. Right. Um, so those are great. And then one that I've read recently was called, um, it was an, it's an older book. It's by Dale Carnegie, I think, um, how to win friends and influence people. Oh, yeah. Win and influence friends. Yeah. 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 Um, great book. It's a little tough to, to totally follow because it's based on like Abraham Lincoln and some old times. And then, but it's amazing how much of what he talks about, even in the early 1900s carries over to now, which when you think about it is pretty wild. It's the same concept, just different yeah. technology. Yeah. No, definitely. Great recommendations. I haven't read the last one, but I've heard it. Relentless is relentless. I've read multiple times. That's an incredible book. I mean, which one haven't you read? 
uh, how to the Carnegie one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so in there, it tells you that you should read each chapter twice. And I started out doing it. I'm like, all right, you know, let me give this a shot. And I I got like two chapters of, of repeating them over and making notes and all that. And then as I was like, dude, this is taking forever. So I just started reading more. But what's funny is like, even after the book's done, I remember the first two chapters in my head, but I don't remember much of the rest of it. So (laughs) these guys know what they're talking about. Yeah. There's a lesson (laughs) right there. Yes, exactly. I've definitely been trying to, you know, underline, highlight, write things down. I don't know what crazy statistic it is, but it was like, you forget 75% of what you're reading. So being able to write those things down or whenever you do come back to it, the things that stuck out to you, even looking back at old journals and things that I've written and which I didn't even write in a journal really until the last year and a half, two years. But even looking back sometimes at those, like, did I actually think that and write that? Like, would that come from me? Like, it's a weird thing to do when you look back at it. Um, But yeah. I agree. And I, I would say if you're into like taking notes of books, everybody's got a different process. But one that I've liked recently is to just tag the page of a passage of the book or whatever that you like. Maybe it's a chapter, but you know, highlight what you want, but then tag it with a little like sticky tag. And that way, sometimes you don't feel like you have to go back and reread the whole book, but at least you can go straight to it, read the passage and move on. And that that's helped a lot when it comes to just brushing through books to get the main points also without feeling like, <laughs> shit, what did I like so much about this? <laughs> Well, we have a we have a large following in DFW. Shout out to Texas, Fort Worth. Um, man, I love Texas and a lot of great friends there. Where can they come and find you online? And then if they want to come in and get an adjustment or hear more from you, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can go to Dr. Pennell 5 is my Instagram page. So D-R-P-E-N-N-E-L-L-5. And then uh, really from there, we have a link in, in our, in my bio. And we also have a link in element health and wellness that you can go right to our webpage, but it's just elementofcare.com. If you're a Facebook person, we do have element health and wellness. And I do have Dr. Matt Pennell or Dr. Matthew Pennell Facebook pages too. They get a lot of the same information. Just the interaction is different. And you know what, if you're a TikTok person, I'm on there. Same thing. Dr. Pennell five, uh, doing my crack videos, but I'm also getting into some of the rehab and stretches and things like that too. So uh, it's all fun, but yeah, I mean, feel free to reach out to us, send us a message and, you know, we'll, we'll chat with you. Love to uh, interact. I heard someone say, uh, you know, your Instagram these days is almost like your business card. And I think yours reflects well with that. It's your electronic business card. If you want to know a little bit about me, what I do and, and then that side of things. And I think your Instagram is perfect for that. You can go on there, kind of see you, see your personality, see your passion, see kind of what you're doing, see the office. Um, looks like an incredible facility. I'm excited to come myself and get an adjustment here. That's right. We got to, yeah, we got to bring you in and have you on my podcast. That'll be fun. But yeah, man. Uh, you know, if you're not doing social media, you should at least do it enough to have somewhat of a presence, right? You don't have to post every day. You don't have to do any of those things, but I think people are willing to do business with those that they like and trust. And if you can create at least even a small presence, it's, it's worth it in the long run. Wise advice. Well, Dr. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. And 
Guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Breathe and Air podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, go hit that purple subscribe button, leave a review, or just DM me or Matt and let us know what you thought. The biggest thing here is put one thing that you learned today into action. Put it into action. Don't just be motivated, but put it into action. So, Matt, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Hey, had a blast, brother. I appreciate you having me.